I believe that God wants our souls to be awakened to him. I believe that there's a movement not just happening in our country right now, but all across the world that we are able to step into right now and experience the grace and the love of Jesus like we have never had happen in our world before. And we get to be part of that. As some of you know, uh, uh, I was able to spend somehow, I uh, was able to be given the act of grace to go to Cuba for almost an entire week. And uh, I know I joked about not really having a suntan. There was no time for a suntan while I was there. I was, we were blessed to go from church to church to seminary to pastors to how homes all over. And the constant theme that I would say to you is just simply this, en fuego. I don't even know what that means. No, I think it means on fire. I think so. I'm not good with Spanish. But anyway, but they were on fire for Jesus. Something that was a little spark that happened in 1984 and then began to take root in the mid-90s has now over the last 20 years in a country that is full of oppression, communism is not good. I just I didn't take that trip for me to know that, but just on the side, you know but a country that is on fire and hungry for the Lord. And I was so blessed to just sit and learn from them. Just learn from them and how they love Jesus and how they share Jesus in a country that is so atheistic, so far gone, but yet they still have hope for their neighbors. They have hope for their family members. They have hope for their enemies that they will one day know Jesus. The same day that my plane landed in Cuba, and I was grateful for that. I was also grateful when my plane landed in Miami when we got back on the United States soil. But the same day, February 8th, also my daughter's birthday, down in Wilmore, Kentucky, where Krista and I lived for four years, where I went to seminary. I didn't go to the university. A group of students were at chapel and they began to worship just like every other chapel. And I went to a Christian university. I know that feeling. You're like, I've got tests. Why am I I'm a chapel? And the speaker, who wasn't anything too exciting, just, just gave a message of, of saying, are you, are you ready to just love Jesus with everything? And after that message ended, the ordinary just continued, except for there was 30 kids, or I'm sorry, 10 to 20 kids that just felt the need to stay in the presence of the Lord. And from that moment on until still today, there's been consistent worship happening in Hughes Auditorium in Wilmore, Kentucky. I know Ben spoke about this last week. But we were in Cuba, and there was like we were huddled around the Wi-Fi, because that's all it was. It was like a campfire, and we would just huddle, and we'd get mad because other people would be connecting, and we wouldn't be. But I just remember, right before we went to bed, someone said, I think revival is breaking out in Wilmore. And we just thought it was Wilmore. But now it's our nation. And it's happening. It's happening. And it's happening with those who are 25 and younger. And I wasn't going to do this, but we do have guests today, so it'll be cooler. If you're 25 or younger, would you just stand up? This is awesome. Yeah. We believe in you, and we want to pour into you. We want the church to grow, 
and we want to help you do that. Okay? Okay, you can sit down. Awesome. God is on the move, and we can choose to be part of it, or we can choose not to. But as your pastor, I want to be part of it. But more than anything, as your pastor, I want you to be part of it. People are sharing Jesus in powerful ways. People are sacrificing so much so that we can see the heavens open up. That's what we desire. Awakening is happening right now. Would you pray with me? Holy Spirit, you are here. You are amongst us. We believe this. We believe that the Spirit cannot be contained. Lord, we ask right now that you open us so that we can hear from you, so that we can know you, so that we can grow into who you've called us to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This month, we are talking about forgive. Just what does that look like and what does that mean? So uh, I was planning this sermon series a few months ago, and and, uh, it just seems fitting right now that this is what we're talking about. One of the things that I think our nation has a struggle with, our current culture has a struggle with, is forgiving ourselves. And and what does that look like? And that's sort of what today was is supposed to be about. And I think it fits right in where our culture is right now and what's happening in our nation right now. And a lot of times when we say, I just can't forgive myself, what we mean is that we don't need anyone else to forgive us. That's sort of what it means. It's, it's not this divine thing at all. It's more of just a selfish way of saying, I can't believe I messed up in my past. I own that I did mess up in my past, and it's going to dictate the rest of my life, and there's nothing I can do about it. And I think a lot of people carry that weight around with them. And unknowingly, that is a darkness, Right? And they carry that darkness around with them everywhere they go. Uh, one of my favorite stories, in, uh, in, well, one of my favorite stories is Les Mis, a uh, book written by Victor Hugo, but I prefer it to be sung to me and danced as well. I think most stories are better if they're turned into musicals. Everybody, yeah, I just understand it better, you know, like, didn't know who Alexander Hamilton was, now I do, you know. I didn't know that Phantoms had operas, I don't know anything about, but now I do. So, same with Les Mis. Love this story, and it's a powerful story, right? Victor Hugo lays this out. There's a man named Jean Valjean, his family was hungry, he stole a loaf of bread, and he was penalized this unjustly, right? He's penalized unjustly and spending 19 years in prison. And finally, he just breaks parole because he's tired of his mistake carrying him around. And he's tired of this and he just breaks free. But we see this whole story revolving around forgiveness. And also this story where Jean Valjean is always on the run because of a past mistake. Now, probably none of us uh, have spent... 19 years in jail for stealing bread, you know, maybe you have stolen bread, no judgment here, but whatever. But we don't have necessarily that similar story, but I believe that a lot of us can feel like we've been on the run from our past mistakes, where that if we can just keep going the next step, we can begin to forget about what has happened in our lives in the past. We can forget about the sins that seem to bind us up, the sins that can control us. And so a lot of times we can connect. I know in my life I can connect with Jean Valjean, where I want my life to be a life where I am in pursuit of that forgiveness, but so often I feel tethered to my past. And so often I forget the story of Jesus, the one where he says, you don't have to forgive yourself, 
I will forgive you. I will forgive you. You know, every time I I open the Bible, I can sometimes think, man, these people in the Bible are nothing like us today. They don't have the TikTok. They don't have the electric cars. You know, they don't have this stuff. But then every time as I start reading these stories, I begin to realize how much in common I have with the people of the Bible. And how often in my lives I want that forgiveness or I want that relationship with God, but so often I fumble, so often I stumble and I fall. And I need my Savior to pick me up. This morning uh, we have Diego. He's going to come up here and he's going to read our scripture lesson for us. This is what happens when you ask if you want to do something. Diego has accepted a call into ministry and he is going, uh, he's a junior at Twin Lakes High School, my alum. And so, uh, so pumped that you're here. And he's going to read to us the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1. If you have your Bibles, uh, I encourage you to open them up. We're, we're going to hear about John the Baptist. And so we're going to be in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, verses 4 through 8. Here's Diego. Thanks, man. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance from the, for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist. And he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Awesome. One of the things that I heard this week, too, was that after we read the scriptures, we say this is the word of God. I would say Diego, Diego, Diego will say this, and then we say we believe it. All right? So your part is we believe it. Okay? So this is the word of God. This is the word of God. We believe it. Awesome. Thank you, man. Give, give Diego a round of applause. Always good. We love you, man. Diego, if you send your kids to middle school camp, you'll be lucky if Diego is your kid's counselor. So he's a pretty good one. So awesome. So here's the story of John the Baptist. You know, Jesus' cousin. Uh, we usually talk about John the Baptist at Christmas time. But then we get to talk about John, uh, John the Baptist. We get to talk about John the Baptist as we prepare for Lent, which is this week. Where it's a week where we get to uh, sacrifice a lot and we prepare our hearts for Easter. But John the Baptist is all about preparation. That's what he's all about. It's usually, the fir- it's usually the first Sunday of Advent, which is when everybody's coming off a turkey coma, you know, because it's right after Thanksgiving. But this is the thing. He's always preparing the way. That's always his focus. He says that. My mission is some- something greater is coming after me, and that's, that's Jesus. He's going to give you the Holy Spirit. But he says, my job is just to make sure that my ceiling is your floor. I want you to know Jesus. And how does he get them there? He talks about repentance. He talks about repentance. Now, sometimes when we hear this word, we get blowhorn people, people yelling. You know, we think, repent, hello, blah, 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 blah. But this is the actual biblical definition of repentance. Here we go. It's up on the screen. A biblical definition of repentance is to make a change of mind, heart, and action by turning away from sin and self 
and returning to God. This is that moment where we begin to realize that there are things in our lives that we have put and elevated equal to God or above God, right? These are things where we've learned that maybe we don't always use our time the best way and we've allowed other things to consume us and to become just as important as scripture and prayer. And these are the things that sometimes as a pastor, after being doing this for almost 20 years, I can look and say, has my, has my work been good for the church or just good for me? These are things that we then can come to the Lord and say, Lord, I repent I want to turn away from my sin and myself and focus in on you. The first step in knowing Jesus and the first step of getting into an awakening spirit of Jesus is to be able to say, Lord, I am sorry. I repent. Take this away from me. Take this from me. This can be a hard thing to do. Because we like to think that we're perfect. And actually, we've all been trained that we're supposed to be perfect. And that, that's why often when we say, I know there's something wrong, I'll just put it in my back pocket. That's not the way that God designed it. In fact, God designed it in a way where we don't have to carry that with us anymore. That we can actually be set free. Freedom is the gift of God. That we no longer have to live in the darkness. We no longer have to live with shame. We don't have to live with not having to think that we have to make sure everything is perfect. But in fact, that we can have forgiveness. We just have to take that first step of repenting. We can be forgiven. We have to repent. Proverbs 28, 13 says this, Whoever conceals his transgressions, his sins, will not prosper. But he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. Mm. You know, it's time for some of us uh, to uncover your sin. This is part of it. This is is where I think we can be similar with the people of, of, of the Bible, right? Like we, just like them, we're really good at just living with our sin and hiding it. And being like, well, that was 20 years ago. It doesn't matter. And we carry that. Or that was last week, and we carry it. But this is something. I heard this as a prayer. Uh, We were able to go down to Asbury. um, Our family was. And I heard a prayer. I overheard this. Whatever you uncover in your life, God meets us with forgiveness that leads to transformation. It's scary to uncover stuff. I don't like it. We have a mouse problem at our church office. I'm not saying like that to be like, and for any reason except that we have a mouse problem, and uh, and and every day I walk in, and of course it happened when I wasn't here this week, but every day I walk in, I turn on the lights, and it's in the kitchen and the bathroom, and every day I'm so nervous. I turn on the lights, and I look in, and it's either a jump or it's right. And then I go to the bathroom, I turn on the lights, and it's either a jump or a... Like, it's not fun uncovering... I'll I'll tell you, if you haven't done this ever, it's not fun uncovering a dead mouse. It's just not. It's not fun uncovering the gross stuff of our lives. It's not. But a lot of times we go with hesitancy with our own lives. I don't want that to trigger something that will open up the pain of the past. If I can just keep thinking that 
this is normal. I'll be okay. If we did that at the office, we would have a graveyard of mice just hanging out, skeletons. It'd be terrifying. But yet we do that in our own lives. The hardest part isn't the receiving forgiveness. The hardest part is finally saying, Lord, I need to be forgiven. I need to repent. I need to stop trying to live this lie. The thing is, if it's not of God, if it's not of God, it's not good. So why would we want that in our lives? But it's of God, it's good. So when we uncover that, God's forgiveness comes in. And when God's forgiveness comes in, awakening happens. Change happens. But the first step is hard. It's ugly. It's painful. But yet it's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. So in this day, where we can feel the weight of the world, where we can feel that, nope, I was told I was supposed to hold on to this and I can't tell anybody about this. I can't, I can't even let God know. But now it's time. It's time to let go. It's time to be set free. It's time to live in Jesus and not the world. It's time to be made new. Awakening is upon us. The first step is repentance. Are you ready? 1 John 3, 6 through 7 says, No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Little children, let no one be no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous, and he is righteous. No more abiding. No one abides in keeping on sinning. Be set free. That is the promise. Turn away from your sin and be forgiven. Repent and believe the gospel. Right now, um, I think we need to do this as we move forward. And uh, it's nothing, if you're able, and you don't have to, but we're just going to have a stillness, the stillness that this gym provides with the recycled air, you know? No, that's the Holy Spirit. Anyway, no, just kidding. There we go. We got that constantly going. But uh, if you're able, if you could just kneel, if you could turn around in your chairs and just kneel on this nice, soft, hardwood floor, Uh, And just to be able to repent. And if we can do this collectively, it's a pretty beautiful thing. If you have bad knees, bad back, I'm not telling you to do anything you're not comfortable with. But just turn around and uh, just pray right now. Um, This is something that's so important. When a community and a, a collective can say, Lord, we know that there's things in our lives that we need to let go. Lord, we know that we spent too much time scrolling through Netflix or too much time just worried about what our neighbors think or our friends think. 
Lord, there's something on your heart right now where you just need to repent. Where you just need to say it. So just take this time right now in this stillness. Lord, we're tired of running. Lord, we're tired of trying to impress those around us. Lord, we're tired and weary. Lord, you told us that you will break every chain. Lord, you have told us and promised us that we can be made new. And Lord, we believe it. So take those things that we have just let linger way too long. Sin, mistakes, regrets. Let us not live a lifetime always trying to tuck that away, but let us lay it down right now. Let us stop trying to just forgive ourselves and allow for you and your forgiveness to make us new and right. Lord, we come before you desperate, saying, take, take this sin from me. And we want to leave in fuego for you. Let us run from our sin and let us sit in your arms of mercy and grace. And so the things that have come to our minds, we are asking right now that we uncover them. We uncover them. You hear our hearts. You hear our thoughts, Lord. We declare them in front of you right now and in this community. Take them from us and make us whole. Take them from us and make us new. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As you stand and come back to your seats, let us remain standing, actually, as the band comes forward and as we sing a song of praise to Jesus and take the communion that God has given to us by him allowing his son to come into this world for the forgiveness of our sins. Let us prepare for this, and we'll come forward. And as an act, I encourage you to do this. As you walk forward with your hands open, and in essence, it's a sign that you are saying, Lord, you're taking my sin. And as you then take the communion, you're replacing that with the love of Jesus. That's the symbolism of this. And when we come back and we sit down, and as the band finishes, we'll take the Lord's Supper together. I'm so proud of you all. I'm so proud to be your pastor. I'm so proud to see how Jesus is going to move in this church and in your life. Let us pray. Oh, holy God, allow for our hearts to be yours. Allow for our lives to be yours. Let us sing praises to you for you are good. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, I know. You're like, Alex goes to Cuba. He gets all serious. (laughs) What's going on there? This is the part that's so beautiful. We repent.
we are forgiven. That means there's something that has to replace that in our high lives. The anger, the disappointment that we just, we just repented from, the madness, the frustration, the anxiety. What replaces it? The love of Christ. So before we take communion, you just need to turn to someone and just say, you are loved. Can you say that? The grace of our Savior is amazing. And as he sat around the table with his disciples and he broke bread with them, he knew that 2,000 years later there'd be a room of us, a group of us in a, in a basketball gym. And he said, I know I'm going to lay my life down, not just for these 12, but for some people in 2023 in a gym in Plainfield, Indiana. And he went to the cross for us. So the body of Christ was broken for you. Take and eat. And as Jesus bled upon the cross, we are reminded, reminded that his blood was shed for us so that we could be forgiven of our sins. Take and drink. We are a forgiven people. Everybody say that with me. We are a forgiven people. Say that one more time. We are a forgiven people. The past is in the past. We repent. Jesus is with us. Let us live into this. Let us be awake for Jesus. If we've never been awake for Jesus before, now is the time you are not alone. Look around. You are not alone. You get to be the light of Christ in the midst of a world of darkness. You get to be hope for the hopeless. You get to bring healing to those who are hurt. That's awesome. Yes. So let me pray over you. Everyone smile. We need smiles. Thank you. There they are. We leave this place knowing that we've encountered Jesus. We leave this place knowing that we no longer are carrying our sin, but Christ has taken it for us. We leave this place as a loved people going to be the light of Christ in the midst of darkness. And we are excited to gather again to praise you, for you are our God. You are our Savior. Let us go with Jesus this week. In Christ's name, amen. Love you guys. See you next week.